I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15. Start reading in verse 33. We'll read through 41. Mark 15, starting in verse 33. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sambachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, Look, he is calling for Elijah. Then some, someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from afar, and among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the less, and of Joseph and of Salome, whom also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, It has been so good to sing songs of praise, to spend time in prayer, to bow down and worship you, our great God. Thank you for stirring up our hearts to believe in you, to trust in you, to see your faithfulness in our lives, to see your great love wherewith you have loved us. And Father, how unworthy that we feel to be called your children. And Father, we once again want to look to your word this morning to encourage our hearts to speak to us about the wonderful things that you've done for us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, may we rejoice in your victory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to title this message this morning, The Veil Was Torn. The veil was torn. It says in verse 37, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. We've been looking at the last days of Jesus. We've been studying in the Gospel of Mark for some time. We've looked at the life and ministry of Christ. And we've come down to the end of Mark's Gospel And we've looked at his betrayal, we've looked at his arrest, we've considered his trial and the innocence of Christ and the importance of that. We've looked at Peter's denial and also restoration, and we've also looked at his sufferings, the sufferings of Christ that he went through for us and how these were a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy But we have this precious truth in our text today that sometimes I think I'm tempted to just skip over, maybe not think about much, and maybe the same is the case with you. But I would like us to consider the importance of the the fact that the veil of the temple was torn in two. 
What did the veil signify? What is the significance of this being torn into? And what significance does that have in your life, in my life? And so we, we see in this passage that there are many miraculous things that happen when Jesus Christ is on the cross, suffering there in the place of sinners, in your place. We see that as we read, darkness, complete darkness covered the face of the earth for three hours. From noon in the daytime till three in the daytime, darkness covered the face of the earth. And we come to this passage, we come to this text that tells us that after his sufferings, when the time had come, when everything had been fulfilled, it tells us that Jesus breathed his last breath. Jesus was in complete control of himself being alive. Do you know that? He is in complete control of keeping himself alive. When it says he breathed his last breath, that is literally that he stopped himself from breathing. He gave up, it says in another passage, he gave up the ghost. He gave up the spirit. He breathed his last breath. Everything had been done. Everything had been accomplished. He had been perfectly obedient to the Father. The sacrifice had been paid. And it says that he breathed his last breath. That's precious. Because we know that he had given us everything. He gave us his life. He gave us his energy. He gave us his efforts. He gave us his time. He, he taught us the word. He spent time with his disciples. He did everything that we could not do. And this is also important. That he came to die. He came to die. He took upon himself the form of man and was made in the likeness of men. He was made in your likeness. So he could know what it was like to live. He would know what it was like to suffer. He would know what it's like to be rejected. He would know what it's like to be a human in every respect. Jesus was fully human, fully man. But he also came to experience death. Amen? Because every single human being goes through death. You will go through death one day. And it tells us in our text today that Jesus breathed his last and he died. Jesus knows what it's like to, to go through death. He knows what it's like to die. And so that is, should be of great comfort to you today as we consider that, that as you will go through the veil of death, Jesus entered into that veil and he knows what it's like. And so as you walk through that and you walk with Jesus through that, he is able to comfort you. He's able to strengthen you and he's able to guide you through that because he himself went through that. God knows what it's like to die. 
And that's an amazing thing, and we could talk about that. But oftentimes we focus kind of on the sufferings of Christ, the, the, the death of Christ, and then the resurrection of Christ. And sometimes we skip over some of these things that, that happen. We have some amazing things that happen. If we were to turn over, that happened. If we were to turn over to Matthew 27 or to Luke 23, we would read that not only did darkness cover the face of the earth when Jesus Christ was on the cross, but it says that when he breathed, breathed his last breath and he died, that several things, miraculous things happened. In Matthew, it tells us the earth quaked. There was an earthquake, a great uh, quake, quaking of the earth, a great magnitude uh, of an earthquake. And the rocks were split, so huge rocks were split asunder. Graves were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. There were many miraculous things that happened as a result of the death of Christ. And we could look at many of these things. But what we read in verse 38, I think, I believe, I should say, is one of the most important things that happened that it, that it tells us about because of its spiritual significance. These other things are amazing. Earthquake, rocks being split asunder, people being raised from the dead and walking around. But this is of most importance to you today of what happened here. What God did to signify something. That when Jesus Christ had paid it all and he breathed his last breath and he died, it tells us that the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Maybe you haven't thought a lot about that. Maybe you have. But whether you have or haven't, it is a precious truth and it is of great importance to us today. And so I want us to consider that this morning. And these are the three questions that I think we should, li- should look to understand. Number one, what did the veil represent? Number two, what was the significance of the veil being torn? And then lastly, what importance does this have in your life? So first of all, let's consider what did the veil represent? Why why would God consider it so important to do this? Why would this be have this preeminent place in the scriptures? And why is it important for you to understand this? What did the veil represent? The veil had a very important place in the history of Israel, in the history of the children of, of God, in the history of redemption. The veil had an important place. So before you can understand um, what the veil represents, you must understand why there had to be a veil, right? You you have to understand what was the importance of the veil. To do that, you go back to Genesis in the beginning. We know that in Genesis in the beginning, it tells us that God created the heavens and the earth, that God uh, created Adam, and that he created Eve, he created man and woman, and it says that he made a special place for them to live in called the Garden of Eden. And God placed them there, and it, and it was a paradise. It was a place that, that God provided everything that they needed. It was a place, too, that Adam and Eve fellowshiped with God, with the triune God. They had fellowship with him, and that is 
the important thing that we must remember. Before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they had close fellowship with God. It tells us in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, after Adam and Eve had sinned, that God was walking in the garden. That they heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So can you imagine a time when, when God fellowshiped with Adam and Eve in the garden and there was, there was peace and there was unity and they would hear the voice of God talking with them and they were com- communicating with Him and there was closeness of fellowship? That's what it was like in the Garden of Eden. That's why it was paradise because Adam and Eve were having close fellowship with God. Not because of the abundance of fruit trees, not because that they had everything that they needed. The reason that it was paradise was because of the presence of God and that there was not separation from that presence. But it tells us that when Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam and Eve disobeyed the commandment of God and sin was brought into the world, it tells us that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, that God drove Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. And so now we understand that there is not a close fellowship. That God drives Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden and He places a cherubim. Literally, we could consider that a veil, right? A cherubim at the east of the garden to guard the way to the tree of life. So they were denied access to what had been considered the place where God was dwelling in their midst, in the presence of God. So close fellowship and access to God had been broken. Now we skip forward several centuries, several thousands of years. And after God brought his people out of bondage in Egypt, led them through the Red Sea and brought them to Mount Sinai, God told Moses that he wanted to dwell with his people in a special way again. So we read about that in the book of Exodus. God tells Moses, I'm going to dwell with my people in a special way. And I want you to build this special place where my presence is going to dwell. But there's still going to be a separation. But... I want you in this place that you build for me, there's to be a veil. There's to be a very thick curtain that separates the holy place from the most holy place. And the most holy place had in it the Ark of the Covenant. And on the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And this is the place where the Shekinah glory of God that was coming down would dwell in the midst of that place and it would come down and dwell on the mercy seat. But no one was to enter the most holy place. No one was to go through the veil. The veil was a covering from that presence. It was a separation from that presence. Because God is a holy God and because man was sinful, there had to be this separation between a holy God and a sinful people. But yet God was giving us a picture, a foreshadowing, that the relationship which had been broken would be restored. And so that's why he dwells with his people, but in a veiled way, right? In a holy and a sacred way. They are still denied access to closeness with the Father. 
And then God allows one time a year, only one time a year, for one person to be able to go in to the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. And everything has to be done exactly as God has prescribed it and commanded it for that one person to even be able to enter there. And he has to do everything that's being commanded. The sacrifices have to be made. All of that has to be done. And he has to go in there with the blood and he has to sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. And one day, for one time out of every year, that high priest will get to see the Shekinah glory of God. Yet still veiled. And so it's important for us to remember that. Why? There was this veil because that close fellowship and access to God had been broken. But now God's presence in a small way was being restored and would be among his people. He would dwell with them in the wilderness, in the tabernacle. He would go to them, go with them to Canaan. He would continue to dwell with them there. And then Solomon would eventually build a temple for the Lord. And God's Shekinah glory would come and dwell in that place as well. But we see in every in the temple, and we see in the tabernacle and in the temples that were built, that there was always the veil that separated the most holy place from the holy place. It separated even the priest the regular priest, from entering into the holiest of holies. It separated the people. The people weren't even allowed to go into the holy place. And so, what did this veil represent? Number one, we see a, the, veil, the, the veil and being able to enter into the holiest of holies was a way that God would dwell with his people, but with limitations. Number two, The veil was to represent a separation from God. They were to remember the result of what happened in the Garden of Eden. And they were to remember that without sacrifice, without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission of sin. There would be no entering into the holy presence of God without a covering. So they would always have that reminder throughout the thousands of years of the tabernacle and the temple. The veil, the veil keeps us from having this close fellowship with God. And thirdly, there could be, there could not be any fellowship with God except through atonement. Except through atonement. And that's important for us to remember, especially when it comes to considering how Jesus became the atonement for our sins. And why the temple, why the veil of the temple was torn in two was because Jesus became the fulfillment of the atonement. And so this is what the veil represented to the people of God. And so this was a very important thing that happened. They understood the importance of this. So now that we have looked at what the veil represented, let's secondly ask the question, well, If this is what it represented, what is the significance of the veil being torn? And we have some beautiful scriptures in the New Testament 
that speak to this. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. The significance of the veil being torn in two. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 1. Then indeed even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and earthly, the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part, in which was the lampstand, the, t- the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that had budded, and the tables of the covenant, Ten Commandments. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of these things. We cannot now speak in detail. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of Reformation. Verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. That's what Jesus Christ just did on the cross. That's what He just did through His perfect life. When He breathed His last, He entered into the holiest of holies and obtained eternal redemption for you and for me. And so that's why at that moment, the veil of the temple was torn. Because Jesus Christ had torn away that separation and obtained something. And he did it with his own blood, the perfect and precious blood. This is why we know, not only because he raised from the dead, but this is why we know that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because he would not have done this if it wasn't a perfect sacrifice. He says, perfect sacrifice no longer need the veil, no longer need the temple. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? This is what Jesus Christ accomplished, and this is what the veil being torn means for you. He has cleansed you from your sins so that you now, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. 
You no longer need a priest. You no longer need a temple. There's no longer a veil keeping you. Christ has brought you into the presence of God so that you can now serve Him yourself. Serve Him with your life. Serve Him with your mind. Serve Him with your heart. He has cleansed your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. The veil of the temple being torn in two means that you can receive the eternal inheritance of God. That's, that's exciting. That's precious. That's wonderful. You and I, who were strangers, who were aliens, who were outside of the family of God, now have been brought in because of what Christ has done. And a symbol of this is the tearing of the veil. Another passage is in the next chapter, in chapter 10, he would go on to say this. And this ties in, this ties in with the third question of what does this importance, what is the importance of this in your life now? Here it is, he says it. Therefore, because of what Christ has done, what he has accomplished, that he was a perfect sacrifice. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. You right now, Jeremy. You right now, Dad. You can have boldness to enter in to heaven itself. To the throne room of God. Into the presence of God. You can have boldness, confidence to enter into that any time that you want by the blood of Jesus Christ because the veil has been torn by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh and having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith Oh, that's precious. Not only can you have confidence to go to God and enter into the holiest of holies, but you can draw near to Him. You remember the veil represented a separation. It, 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 it represented fellowship but at a distance. But now, because the veil has been torn, not only can you go to the throne of God, but you can have nearness of fellowship with the triune God. Communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How precious is that? Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Man, if he did this, if he did this for you, and if he, if he removed the veil... And He did all this for you and He gave you access. He's going to be with you. Have assurance. Have confidence. Have hope that this same One who has done this for you will continue to be with you and He'll give you everything that you need to live a life of faith and obedience to Him. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And here's what we've been thinking about this morning. 
For he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. And therefore we can be faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. The pulpit commentary says, the significance of the veil being torn, number one, was that the whole of the Jewish dispensation with its rites and ceremonies was now unfolded by Christ and that henceforth the middle wall of partition was broken down so that now not the Jews only, but the Gentiles also might draw nigh by the blood of Christ. Can you imagine the day when they saw this? You know, at this time, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and this was the day of preparation before the Sabbath, the priests were in the temple at this time making a sacrifice. In the, in, the, in the holiest, not the holiest of holies, but in the holy place. And what they would do at this time in the afternoon was they would actually open up the outer, outer curtain and so that the people who were in the court could look in and they could see into the holy place, but they would always see the veil which says you cannot go in into the holiest of holies. That, that access has been denied, except for by the priest the one day a year. And so at this time, when the priests are in there administering the sacrifice, the curtain has been opened and the people are being able to see in, God tears the veil of the temple in two and they see, they get to see the holiest of holies and nothing happens, right? Imagine that. You would be, usually you would be struck down dead, Right? They feared that if we saw this, if this happened, if we went in there, we'd be struck down dead. But it doesn't happen. The, 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 the veil is torn in two. And nothing happens to them. Imagine. What could this mean? What could this mean? The veil has been torn. We now can have fellowship, close fellowship with God. The sacrifice has been paid. The ultimate sacrifice. No more need for these sacrifices anymore. So I'm sure it astounded. I'm sure it brought great fear. I'm sure it brought great encouragement and hope. Number two, they said it further signified, and this is beautiful, they, it further signified that the way to heaven was laid open by our Lord's death. The veil's been torn. The way to heaven is now open. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. The veil signified that heaven had been closed until Christ, by his death, rent this veil in two and laid open the way. McLaren, in his expositions, gives three things that... that this that was significant in the veil being torn. Number one, the rent veil proclaims the desecrated temple, right? Jesus, Jesus had already shown them uh, that for a long time now, they had just been giving lip service to God. They were using the temple as a place of merchandise, 
they were just going through the motions. His presence wasn't there anymore. Well, when the, when the veil is torn, it's, it's showing them the temple is done. The temple is done. The kingdom of God has come. And now, as Jesus says, the kingdom of God dwells within you. In your body now is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the rent veil proclaims the desecrated temple too. Secondly, the, the rent veil means in another way of looking at the incident, light streaming in on the mystery of God. See, the veil had, was, was, was a covering, it was a separation that they weren't able to see the, the, all the mystery of of what God had planned and and what God had purposed and this close fellowship with God. Now the veil is torn and their eyes are open and now they're being able to see the light stream in on the mystery of God. I love that. And lastly, the veil, the rent veil permits any and every man to draw near to God. Jew, Gentile, male, female, young, and old, all now have access to God. So this is the significance of the veil being torn. And so, what? thirdly, what importance does this have in your life? Well, we've looked at it already in a few of these passages, but let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4, because this hits you and I right where we live Because Jesus had accomplished redemption. Because he had obeyed the law perfectly and because he was a perfect substitute in the place of sinners and God's wrath had been satisfied. The atonement had been made. The veil was torn. And now you have access. You have access to God. And now you have a high priest in heaven. No longer a high priest in a temple or a place that you have to go to and you have to tell him your sins and he has to pray and he has to make sacrifice for you. You have one who paid your penalty, paid for your sins. It was accepted by the Father and he stands at the Father's right hand. He's at the throne of God in heaven for you. He is your high priest in heaven and you can go to him at any time. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Why? For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. No longer standing at a distance, but now we have this picture that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He comes and He stands beside you. He stands with you. He enters into your pain. He enters into your suffering. He he enters into your doubts. He is a high priest who is touched with the feelings of your infirmities. And he cares about everything that you're going through. And 
what is the result of understanding that and knowing that? That we have this kind of high priest. That the veil has been torn and now we have one who, not as separated from us, but one who is near, one who is close. Sometimes, because we respect God, sometimes because we do have a holy fear of God, sometimes we feel like we cannot be close to Him or that He can not come near to us because of our sin. And so, a lot of times we, we don't experience that nearness that it's talking about here. We don't go to Him in our weaknesses. We don't We don't go to him confessing our needs. And therefore, we don't experience that closeness that he provides. But the encouragement, the exhortation here, if we'll listen, is that because we understand we have a high priest who's willing to come and stand with us, stand beside us, and put his arms around us, he says, let us therefore come to him. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's nothing more comforting than that. To know that you have one who stands in heaven, who's perfectly holy, and who has all power in heaven and earth, that he says he's willing to help you. He's willing to come and stand with you. He's with you through everything. Go to him. Come to him. And you will find grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. That is a result of what Christ has done for us and the veil being torn. Calvin said this, The rending of the veil signified, as the ancient hymn excellently expresses it, that when Christ had overcome the sharpness of death, He opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers. Nothing can obstruct or discourage our access to heaven. For the veil is rent, a door is open into heaven. We are the only ones who prevent the access. We are the only ones who don't go. The door is open. The veil has been torn. Go to Him in your weakness. Go to Him in your struggles. Go to Him when you sin and confess it and beg and ask for forgiveness and mercy. If you need wisdom, go to Him, and He will give you wisdom. The door of heaven is open. And so when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, He meant it. And He was going to show us that by what He did and what He accomplished. Showed us by his life. He showed us by his death. He showed us by rising from the dead. And as if that wasn't enough, he gave us just this little picture and said, See how I tore the veil of the temple? Take comfort and encouragement in that. That you have now been brought into the family of God. You have been given access to God. And now, as we've been encouraged in Hebrews to do, you can draw near. And you can hold fast 
And you can serve Him with all that you have because He's done this for you. He's made a way for you. And He's going to walk with you. Until, brothers and sisters, He's going to walk with us. And this is why we can have hope and and encouragement right now in our life. He's going to walk with us all the way to the end. We know because we still have a sinful nature that we still can't see God in all of of His fullness, right? The veil is our flesh. We We still have this. This is the veil. But one day, that veil is going to be removed. One day, that veil for you is going to be lifted. And just as the veil of the temple was torn when Christ died, so when you die, the veil of that flesh will be separated and you will see God in all of His fullness. You will see Jesus Christ in all of His transcendent glory. And you will always see it for all eternity. That's pretty special. That's pretty special. And so we can have hope that if He went through this for us, and He walks with us now as our great high priest, and He's given us access, that He will walk through the veil of death with us. We're all going to have to walk through that unless He returns before them. But He's going to walk with you through the veil of death. And you don't have to fear it. He don't, you don't have to fear it. Because He'll be with you. He'll give you the grace that you need to make it through. So my encouragement to you today is to appreciate what Christ has done for you. To rejoice that you have been given access to God. That you can have a relationship with Him to have communion with Him, and that you would use that, you would use that fellowship, that you would use that relationship, that I would use that, so that we can better serve Him, so that we can help others, so that we can love others the way that He has loved us. Go to God through Jesus Christ. The way has been opened.